0: All right, well, let's go to God's Word. If you want to take out your sermon note sheets, you'll find it inside your bulletin, as we are in week number six in a study through the New Testament book of James that we're calling When Faith Grows Up. In this book, what James, the half-brother of Jesus, does is he tells us what mature Christian faith really looks like. So far, James has taught us that when faith grows up, it's going to show up in our walk in what we do, in our actions. Mature faith is patient in trials and is a doer of God's Word. That's what we've learned in chapters 1 and 2. Now, as we come to the beginning of chapter 3, James tells us that maturity, or a lack of it, is going to show up in our talk, in what we say, in the words that roll off our tongues. So, think about this. If you want to know how mature a Christian really is, In fact, if you want to know how mature any human being is, just look at their walk and then listen to their talk. Talking is something that we do a lot of through our lifetime. I want you to listen to these statistics. The average person is going to spend one-fifth of their life talking, has 30 conversations per day, says enough words per year to fill 66 books, 800 pages long. A man speaks on average 20,000 words per day, and a woman speaks on average 30,000 words per day. So husbands, when you come home from work and you are are worded out, your wife still got 10,000 more to go. (laughs) You got to be sensitive to that, and that'll save your marriage right there. That'll greatly help your marriage, men, if you will recognize that. Point is, We spend lots and lots of time saying lots and lots of words. And because of that, our words have a tendency to get us in trouble. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19 says this. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Now, I took the liberty of of making this verse a little more modern, okay? This is the Pastor Josh paraphrase version. Are you ready? In a multitude of social media posts, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his posts is wise. How many of you can say amen to that, right? I mean, that's no different than what comes out of your tongue, right? You're just putting it through your fingers, right? What James is going to teach us in chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, is that when faith grows up, it understands that words matter. That words are important, that you don't just go about saying whatever you want, how you want, and when you want with no thought of how it relates to God and His Word. James is going to teach us that a wise man restrains his lips with God's help. And so, let's go ahead and read what he has to say, and then we'll go ahead and break it apart. Starting in verse 1, James writes, "'Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers,' All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's image. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives and a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt produce fresh salt spring produce fresh water. Now, I want you to go back to verse 2 and, and look at it once again. It says, we all stumble in many ways, and we can all say amen to that, right? Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Now, that word perfect in the verse, in the original Greek, uh, could also be translated. In fact, a better translation would be mature. So it, it really reads like this. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is mature, able to keep their whole body in check. Here's what James is telling us. A true mark of maturity is the, is the control of the tongue. Okay, the more your tongue is under control, the more mature you're going to be. The less your tongue is under control, the less mature you're going to be. The words that we speak will reveal our maturity or lack of it. And so think about this. Words are ultimately a barometer of your spiritual health. To control our tongues, we're going to need to understand it. And so, like a doctor, James is asking us to open up our mouths and stick out our tongues so that he can give all of us a good examination. There are a number of things that he wants us to know as he examines our tongues this morning. We're going to go ahead and work through them with the rest of our time together this morning. First, James tells us this. The tongue is ministry critical. Number one, the tongue is ministry critical. Critical. It is critical to moving the kingdom of God forward in the lives of people in this world. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but the kingdom of God advances in this world through the tongue, through the word of God being declared through people speaking as they minister to people. That's why James begins this whole tongue examination by saying, verse 1, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, he's not forbidding teachers here. The church needs willing and gifted and trained and qualified teachers. This is not a call for silence, but a call for those who teach to take seriously the words that come out of their mouth. This is a call for teachers to have their tongues under control as they teach. And even when they're not teaching. Why? Because the tongue is critical to effective ministry. The mission is to go and make disciples of all nations. It's to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. And a a teacher, by their words, has great potential to lead people into a relationship with God, into a deeper relationship with Him. And a teacher also has great potential to lead people away from God. Listen, certainly that can happen when a teacher doesn't accurately teach the Word of God. I mean, listen, I I have spent a lot of time over the years as a pastor working to help people get bad theology out of their life. But I think James has more in mind here than just bad theology. You know what he has in mind? He has self-control in mind. Because you can teach accurate truths and do it in a way that is mean, self-righteous, and condemning. And even when you do do it right, People are paying attention to what you say when you're not in the pulpit too. This is why the tongue being under control is so vitally important for a teacher of God's word because your tongue can actually move people closer to God or further away from Him. You can complicate that. It's why a teacher is going to be judged more strictly, and that reality is something that anyone who declares God's Word, that, that should always be a thought, and it's, it's a sobering thought. I mean, I'm going to be judged more strictly by just the nature of what I do as your pastor. So what James is saying here is, teachers, don't let your witness be ruined by the lack of self-control that you have over with your tongue. And I think that the bigger message that James is communicating to all the Christian that he's all to the Christians that he's writing to here is is listen. We can we're called as Christians all to be witnesses for Christ in this world, and we can render our witness worthless by the words that come out of our mouths and by the things that we post online. Let me remind you of something that James already said back in chapter one. Look at this. James chapter one, verse 26. It says, "Those who consider themselves religious, here's what that means. You're serious about your faith. It's important to you. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, watch this. they deceive themselves, and their religion is what? Wordless. Wordless. Their, their witness gets ruined. Listen, we can either be a great help or a great hindrance to the kingdom of God in this world, and often the factor is what's coming off our tongue. It's critical. So I want you to understand the first thing that James says is the tongue is absolutely ministry critical. The second thing that James tells us about the tongue is this. The tongue is disproportionately powerful. It's disproportionately powerful. If you think about it, your tongue is one of the smallest parts of your human body. But it's one of the most powerful. Many people think that what they say is really not that big of a deal. It's not a big deal. Who really cares? It's just words. Sticks and stones may break my bones. But what? Words will never hurt me is their motto. That's not true, right? Right? Words do hurt, and here's what every one of us knows. They hurt emotionally, and emotional wounds always take a lot longer to heal than the physical wounds do. What, what's the one value that we as Americans celebrate the most? What is it? Freedom of what? Freedom of speech, right? I mean, everybody, the Republicans, Democrats, everybody, in, it's all about freedom of speech, I'm afraid it was what has happened is people have twisted that value to mean something that our founding fathers never meant it to be. Lots of people have come to think that that means I can and should speak my mind however I want, the way I want, when I want. That's not what freedom of speech is supposed to be, even when you're dealing with hard issues, nor is that what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches us that our words should be measured They should be controlled, and ultimately, they should be submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And what James does here is he gives us three illustrations to drive the point home about the power of the tongue. First, he compares the tongue to a horse's bit. He compares the tongue to a horse's bit. Now, look at this. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Now, we live in a rural community, so I think most of you understand the illustration that James is giving here. But for those of you that don't have a clue, you grew up city folk, you never were around horses, let me give you a picture. So um, the bit is not the round hoop. It's not the rain coming down. It's, see the little ball there? That's a rod that's going through the horse's mouth. And you see the same thing. If you were to take a picture of the horse, you'd see the same thing on the other side. That rod, that bit, Guess where it rests? It rests on the horse's what? On the horse's tongue. That little piece of metal is what makes it possible to control all the raw power of that horse. Because what is the rider doing? He's pulling on those reins that's connected to that bit. Now, I want you to think about this. A tamed horse, very useful. You, when you can direct its power, when you can harness its power, when it's tamed properly, you can get a lot of productive things done with that horse, can't you? But an untamed horse is a very dangerous thing to be around. A horse that can't be controlled can do a lot of damage. It can hurt a lot of people. It can even kill you if you're not careful. I would say the same thing with the tongue. When a tongue is tamed and under control, it is useful for a lot of good. It is useful in the kingdom of God to advance people into a lot of good. But when the tongue is untamed, it can do a lot of damage to people. Now, I feel led to say this. So listen to what I I, I feel like the Lord wanted me to say. I feel like the Lord would want me to say to some of you, the problem in your home is not everybody else. It's your tongue. If you allow your tongue to be tamed, your home will be a much healthier place. The problem at work may not be everybody else. The problem with your church may not be everybody else. It just may be your tongue. Example number two about the power of the tongue. James talks about a ship's rudder. Verse 4 or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Now, in case you don't know what James is talking about, here's a modern picture of what James is trying to communicate with us. And you can see that, that part on the back at the bottom that turns back and forth. That thing is, that rudder is small, compared to the rest of the ship. But it has the power to direct that big ship. The rudder determines what direction the ship goes. Same with your tongue. Do you understand? The words that come out of your mouth can determine whether you keep your job or lose it. Whether your marriage thrives or doesn't survive. Whether your church is healthy or full of strife. My point is, your words direct your ship. And here's the thing about it. Sometimes there are other people on your ship. And your words can either propel them to health and productivity, or it can direct them into dysfunction. How many of you can look back in your life? You know this, right? There was just somebody that spoke something to your life that changed your life they encouraged you, they believed in you, and now you are where you are and you, because somebody spoke productive things in your life. How many can say amen to that? Amen. Now, here's what I know. The opposite is also true. Yes, it is. Some of you have been dealing with a lifetime of dysfunction, depression, because somewhere along the line, maybe it was parents, people said things to you like you're no good. And you're never going to amount to anything. And maybe it was that there were people that were supposed to be there, but were never there, so they never spoke into your life. Listen, words can propel us emotionally and physically to places of unhealthiness. The tongue, although disproportionately small to the rest of your body, has the power to direct our lives and the lives of others for good or for bad. It's it's, it's that powerful. Now, the third example that James uses to help us understand the tongue's power is a spark. Look at verse 5. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark okay? Every forest fire starts with a spark somewhere. So think about this. That doesn't just appear. It doesn't go, whew. That starts with a spark. A campfire that was lit with a match gets out of control. Somebody throws a cigarette out the window into brush, and it catches fire. Think about every house fire that ever happens. It doesn't just, it doesn't just appear as this massive fire it starts somewhere with a spark an electric spark or or a candle or something it all starts with a spark listen think about this fire can be a very good thing if it's tamed and under control am i right we cook with it we stay warm with it but when fire is out of control oh my it has the potential to burn down the whole forest the whole house The whole village, lots of families, lots of marriages, lots of friendship, lots of churches have been burned to the ground by the spark of someone's tongue. Now, James gave us these wonderful illustrations, but the writer of Proverbs gives us a powerful verse that really sums up everything that James is trying to say here. Proverbs 18, verse 21 says this, The tongue has the power of what is it? Life Life and death. So don't ever think that your words don't matter. Don't you ever think that they're not important. They may be a small thing, but they are a big, powerful thing. They matter to you, they matter to others around you, and they matter to God in His kingdom ultimately because what comes off your tongue, it's, 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 it's ministry critical. Now, the third thing that James wants us to know as he examines our tongues is this. The tongue is inherently evil. This is really, really important for you theologically to understand and important for you to understand if you're going to get your tongue under control. Look what James says. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself, watch this, set on fire by hell. Now, notice that James doesn't say the tongue might be a world of evil or might become a world of evil. James says the tongue is a fire, right? Yeah. He says it is a world of evil. Your tongue is a part of your broken, sinful human flesh. Yeah. And please get this. It was inherently evil from the day that you were born. Right. Yeah. He said, I don't know about that, Pastor. Well, have you ever noticed that you don't have to teach your kids to lie? Or talk back? Or be disrespectful? In fact, here's what I've learned. When you get multiple kids, you don't have to teach them to say mean things to one another. Okay? Shocker, ready? They're born with the ability to do that. That's because they're, they're, they're the product of two sinful human beings. Every one of us is born sinful. Isn't it true that, that at times you see things and then you think to yourself, I can't believe that just came out of my mouth. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I mean, you can think to things this week alone where you're like, I don't, I, where did that come from? Believe you said it. Because, because it's part of your flesh that is sinful. Listen, your tongue is inherently evil by nature. It's a part of the broken sinful flesh that you inherited from your parents that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden when sin entered into the human race. That's what James means here by it was literally set on fire by hell itself. You see, I'm still not getting it. Well, let me take you back to Genesis chapter 3. Let me take your mind back there. When the devil tempted Adam and Eve to sin, what did the devil use as his tool? Words, right? Did God really say? Listen, the default nature of your tongue is to gravitate towards evil. You must understand that truth. Now, with that in mind, here's the fourth thing that James tells us as he examines the tongue. The tongue is humanly untamable. Look what James says all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. Lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my, you're right on cue, just like the first service. Man has tamed it all. Think about it. One of my favorite shows is America's Got Talent. Everybody, anybody who liked that show? And they have all these acts come on there. And, and every year they have animal acts that come on. And they train, the, the, people train the craziest things. I remember one time that I'm watching the show and, and this person comes out with, with, with chickens. And they're going up and down and they're doing all kinds of things these chickens were trained. It was the craziest thing you've ever seen in your life. Listen, man has tamed everything else, has figured it out, but he hasn't figured out the tongue. James says that's because the tongue is not humanly tameable. Why? Well, notice what James says. It is a restless evil, watch this, full of deadly poison. Now, that's James' way of saying the problem with the tongue is not really the tongue. It's what's behind the tongue. Right. So think about it this way. The problem is not the bottle that holds the poison. It's the poison in the bottle that's the problem. <laughs> it's James' way of saying what's in the well is going to come out in the water. Right. So here's, here's, here's what you've got to connect the dots with, and, and you see this all over Scripture. We really don't have a tongue problem. We actually have a heart problem. Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. Not only does your heart determine what you say, but it also determines what you do the decisions that you make in your life. Look what the writer of Proverbs put. It puts it this way. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart. Why do you need to be guarded? Why do you need to be careful about what gets into your life, what gets into your soul, what gets into your heart? For everything you do flows from it. So the bad news is the tongue, the human tongue is humanly untamable. But here's the good news. The tongue is divinely tameable. Yeah. God is the only one who can tame the human heart. So he's the only one that can help you get your tongue tamed. Amen. Yeah. God says this in Jeremiah chapter 17. I love this out of the message paraphrased version of the Bible. God says this, the heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful puzzle that no one can figure out but i god search the heart and examine the mind look what god says he does i get to the heart of a human okay it may be a puzzle to you but it's not a puzzle to god i get to the root of things i treat them as they really are not as they pretend to be i love that last part we're always fooling ourselves about where we are spiritually We're always fooling ourselves about the condition of our heart. And God says, I really know the truth. I know how everything's connected in your life. I know why you do what you do. I know why you say what you do. And it goes back to things that are in the well. Now, here's the deal. In order for God to help us tame our tongue, we have to allow him to deal with our hearts. Think about this. In order for a wild animal to be tamed... It has to first trust its trainer and then it has to submit to the trainer's leading. Am I right? It has to learn how to obey the trainer. It's no different when it comes to the human heart. You have to trust God. You have to first put your life in his hands and then learn how to submit to his leading in your life. And it really is a lifelong journey for the Christian. Okay? I hate to tell you this but I really wish that we could say one prayer over your tongue and you would never have that problem again. That would be, some of you are like, that'd be awesome. I just bring my kids to the prayer partners at the end of service and we'll pray over that little tongue. We're, they're going to they're be, and they go home and I'm never going to have that problem with them again, but that's not how it works. In fact, parents, can I just say something? This is, this is why the key to their tongue is you have to continually teach them to submit themselves to the Lord. That's where the tongue begins to get tamed. That's how it works. This is a lifelong battle uh, to submit to his leading rather than your human sinful flesh that just wants to do what it wants to do. This is why Paul said this in Galatians 6. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Okay, you're born again. The Holy Spirit lives in you now. Let him guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do what? Your tongue wants to do what? It wants to say, it just does, which is opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. This is why, you know, once you become a Christian, sin isn't fun fun anymore because now you have another force working in you, you have the Spirit working in you. Now, watch verse 25. Yeah. So, after, after that, there, he goes on to talk about the fruit of the flesh and then that famous passage, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. You know that. And then in verse 25, it says, Since we are living by the Spirit, the idea is now that we are born again and we have the Spirit of God in our life, let us follow the Spirit's leading, watch this, in every part of our lives. Yeah. That's the challenge in the Christian walk, isn't it? That's how sanctification happens in our Christian walk. So I want you to understand this. One of the signs that you are growing up in your faith over time is that the way you talk changes. If you're truly allowing God to deal with your heart about the issues of your life, guess what? It's going to show up in your tongue. Could it be that the reason some of us are so rigid and so negative with what comes out of our mouths has to do with being hurt by others. And the reason that God is asking you to forgive is so that He can heal your heart and heal your mouth and make you a vessel that He can use to advance His kingdom. Could it be that the gifts and talents that the Lord has given you are wasting away because of your tongue? And there are a million and one other things other than bitterness and forgiveness that may be affecting your heart. But the key to whatever it is, is to allow the divine tamer to have his way with your heart. His instruction, his leading, his discipline may be painful at first, but the end goal for him is that you may be healthy and mature, bearing good fruit and making a difference for him in this world. Once again, the tongue is so very ministry critical. Now, there's one more thing that James says as he brings his examination of the tongue to the close. He tells us this, the tongue is consistently revealing. It's consistently revealing where we're missing the mark. It's consistently showing up showing us which areas that we're walking in the flesh in and which areas we're walking in the Spirit in. It's consistently revealing the gap between our flesh and what the Spirit wants. Yeah. Here's, the, here's the ironic thing about the tongue. The funny thing about it is the tongue, as evil as it can be, is consistently telling the truth about who you really are. It, 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 it doesn't fool. It, 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 it reveals. Look what James says as he finishes his examination of the tongue once again. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. This is not the way God wants it to be. But often this is the way it is. And we fool ourselves into thinking that we're mature when there's a lot of maturity lacking. The proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the the water in the well. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So, if you really want to know how grown up your faith is, don't look at your Bible knowledge, don't look at how much you serve. Don't look at, at any of those things. You know what you look at? What's coming out of my mouth? Because it reveals the true nature of my heart. Okay, you can put your tongues back in. Dr. James is finished. Just stand with me as we close? I I think the honest to God truth is, no matter how mature you are, there's room for improvement in this area. Am I right? So I think one of the things that we can do for some of you, the, the Bible says the truth will set you free. And I think what God is doing for some of you this morning is He's revealing to you that there are areas in your life that need to be dealt with, and the proof of that is what comes out of your mouth. So for some of you, you need to say, God. I lay my tongue down before you and I open up my heart to you and I say, I need your help. I need your help. I need your help. Because I'm not as healthy as I thought I was. I'm not as mature as I'd like to be. And that means, if that's true, I'm not as effective as I could be for you, whether it be coming my family, my job, my neighborhood, my church, whatever it may be. So would you bow your heads right now? For some of you, would you say, God, I submit my tongue to you this morning. And in order to do that, I open up my heart to you this morning. And I invite you in to, to have your way. I pray that you would deal with some issues in my heart this morning. Some of you, you already know what that is. You've been resisting him in those issues. And listen, God, God is trying to work in your life in, in, in order to get this thing under control in your life. Let him do it. And I'm not saying it's not going to be hard. I'm, uh, listen, when God deals with us sometimes, it's painful. It's, it's almost like a parent disciplining their kid, but nobody loves discipline, but we love the end result of it, and that's what God wants in your life. So would you say, God, would I open my heart help me with this in fact there are going to be things in your life don't be surprised when you pray this prayer don't be surprised There are going to things that are going to come up in your life all of a sudden and and i want you to remember that what it is is god's dealing with issues in your heart because in this service today you've opened your life up for god to deal with those things so if you're here today you really want to get your tongue tamed would you give permission to god to work in your heart say god i give you permission do what you need to do. Work how you need to work in order that I may be mature and fruitful in my life for you in this world. Father, I thank you for your word this morning, Lord. I thank you for a book like James that you have left us that we can learn from and we can grow from. And Lord, every one of us, Lord, we all have a tongue that has the potential to bring life and death, Lord. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would help us to submit our tongues. I pray that you would help us to submit our hearts, Lord. I pray that you would deal with the things that need to be dealt with in our life in order that we may be fruitful for you in this world. Lord, I pray right now that you would have a that right now that you would anoint us, that our mindset would change in this area. Lord, I pray that we would be more cognizant than ever, Lord, that we would, we would include you more and think about you more before we speak. Lord, help us to submit ourselves to you, the, the divine trainer, that we may be healthy, mature, and productive, Lord. We love you and we give you praise. In the name of Jesus, we all said together, amen. Amen. I'm going to ask our prayer partners, guys, would you come? If you're here this morning and you want to pray over anything in your life, it may be related to this area. It may not. It may be just other things going on in your life. Our prayer partners will be up here pray for you. Pray for anybody else that you would like to pray for. So if you need prayer, go ahead and come. The rest of you, go have a great week. We'll see you next week.